Welcome to Grant Thornton's Navigating the New Normal podcast series. My name's Velvet Bell Templeman, and I'm here talking to Greg Keith, CEO of Grant Thornton Australia, and Dr. Ian Norton, founder and managing director of Respond Global. Dr. Norton is a specialist emergency physician and a global infectious disease expert, and is now at the forefront of helping both the Australian government's and businesses' response to COVID-19. Thanks so much for joining us, Ian and Greg. Thanks, Robert Bell. Yeah, good to be here. Now, Ian, you've worked at the World Health Organization and you've spearheaded the response to international outbreaks such as Ebola and diphtheria. What have you learned about these outbreaks that can be applied here? Well, very similar lessons, I suppose, when it comes to outbreaks. It's all about uh, bringing people along, uh, empowering them with knowledge about, about what's happening and, and how they can keep themselves safe and, and trying to get them to be part of the solution, really. Uh, we certainly found that for Ebola and in diphtheria, you know, making things relevant in, in their own language, uh, in their own way of understanding, and making sure there was both pictures and video and, and voice and other messages, messages coming in from trusted leaders, all lessons we could learn here in COVID as well. Now, we're about five months into COVID-19 with no idea how long this will continue. From an individual and a business perspective, the impact has been massive. Is it possible to maintain a sense of normality when the fear of contagion is still so very real? I certainly think we we have to maintain some form of normality. We know that this will go on for for many more months to come. My estimation now is at least 18 18 to 24 months, uh, I would say we have to live with this new COVID normal. And so we really need to learn how to live with COVID rather than uh, wait for it to to all be over and get back to normal. And that certainly transfers into business as well. I I really think uh, businesses need to learn how to adapt and know how to to manage when there's a large wave uh, washing over them in their local state or territory, and then how how to act differently when there's less risk and then get back to something closer to normal. Uh, but the risk is never any, and never completely gone, as we're seeing now in Europe and other parts of the world. Yeah, look, I think from my side, there's, you know, there's things as a business leader we can control, such as, you know, our, our environment in our office and the precautions that we take, and there's things that we can't control, you know, such as the community transmission. So, really understanding that difference and and doing what we can to focus on. The, those aspects that we as leaders can, can change to improve the safety of our people and also to ensure that our clients and customers are, are protected as much as possible, I think is the is a critical situation because business can't wait for 18 months or two years, as Ian, as Ian has said. You know, we, we need to be able to treat this as an opportunity to be successful. We need to have the right mindset to keep it, you know, take our people on that journey and, and also to ensure that we get through this you know, in a strong position, both physically and mentally at the end. Yeah, I'd, I'd really agree. And I'd maybe add something else on that, Greg, because, um, you know, it, we can manage our risk, I think, inside our, our business, um, in our manufacturing or, or an office setting. But it's also about making sure staff know how they can keep themselves safe home with their families and at the weekends, because that risk is transferred back into our business if they don't. And Ian, you're at the forefront talking to policymakers and business leaders. You would have seen in the news, some say we're not taking this seriously enough and others say that we're being overly cautious. Is there a right or a wrong way to respond at a time like this? Yeah, no, I think it's it's correct. There are sort of two huge arcs of perceived risk. Some people denying that it's it's real and uh, and others uh, almost overly cautious. And we're 
you know, I'm a bit disappointed in a way that uh, we haven't taken more of, a, of an overall country approach. There's certainly a lot of, I suppose, separation at the various state levels. You know, it's the same risk across all of those. Uh, the risk uh, effectively of the disease is similar. And I am seeing a bit of a drift away from the public health sort of rules into more of a political overlay. And that is disappointing. When it comes to business leaders, uh, though, you, every, every board sort of has a range of perceptions. I'm uh, completely worried about it and think very little of little else. And there are others who are sort of saying we should just get on with it. I, I think the answer, the true answer is in the middle. And it's, it's a bit of both. Um, and the risk changes over time in different states. And the risk right now is obviously bad in Victoria and not so bad in, in West Australia. Nothing to say that uh, COVID won't sneak in and then all of those rules in a way West Australia could be could be at risk because people have sort of forgotten how to act and they have become used to that new uh, COVID normal where they get to do pretty much everything they want to uh, and they're really at risk now because if the disease does sneak back in then they're not well prepared to know what to do and do the right thing. It's a, it's a frightening concept. Look, Ian's been able to work with Grant Thornton to help us to pull together a uh, red, amber and a green scenario. So we have a set of policies and practices uh, in the event of, you know, like Western Australia is at the moment in that example where there's very little community transmission. And as community transmission increases, and frankly, over the last little while, we've been watching New South Wales very closely, we consider whether we increase uh, to amber, which for us means, you know, wearing masks at reception and in communal areas and those sorts of things. Or, or red, where Melbourne office is at the moment, where at the moment we're actually closed, but prior to that, with red, you know, you would need to wear a mask fully in the offices and a range of other policies that are in place. So I think we also can adapt, you know, to the different circumstances in different offices and, and, and still continue doing business. Business leaders, they have a responsibility to their people, to their clients, their customers, potentially their shareholders. What can they do now that they might not already be doing? So I think that the first challenge that a lot of business leaders had was back in March this year, where you know, we needed to put the safety of our people ahead of profit or dollar. And Grantham, along with many, many other businesses, chose to you know, act precipitously to have our people work from home to make sure we could you know, protect them. And I think that's about you know, really, really focusing on what's important and people's health is more important than, um, than profit. So whilst, whilst we do need to find a, a path that you know, does allow businesses to be successful moving forward, I think making sure you get your priorities straight is, is absolutely critical for, um, for business leaders, probably more so than ever before. Yeah, and I'd really agree, Greg. And that's why I was so happy to work with Grant Thornton on this because it could tell that uh, that was the attitude from the senior most leaders. It's also, I suppose, looking for, for leadership in all, all sorts of ways where you, you demonstrate to colleagues, uh, junior colleagues, that it's okay to call in uh, sick if you have even the lightest symptom. And that's the right thing to do, that you're, you're willing to all work from home. Um, there's no pressure on people to change that behaviour. And I think that's the kind of new style of leadership we need to see more of across Australia. And the disease, what we learn about the disease is changing and, and how to respond is changing. So I also feel as business leaders, we've got a responsibility to continue to learn and to be aware and change our policies you know, and adapt that, that information knowledge into them. So that rather than thinking, look, we've got a COVID safe plan, tick, move on, I think there's an opportunity to ask others, have conversation with other leaders, you know, frankly, borrow some great ideas and uh, put them into your own systems and patterns as well. 
Now, here's a tricky one for you. You and your business may have a strategy in place to create the right COVID safe conditions, but it only takes one person to do the wrong thing to create a new outbreak. And it might not just be one person if you count how many fines have been given for people breaking COVID safe requirements, like mask wearing or curfews. So is it even possible to be truly COVID safe? Well, yeah, it is a tricky one. Now, it, it is about you know behavior change and cultural change. It, I suppose that's the reason why we're seeing uh, fresh outbreaks occur around the world. It's where people start to forget the rules. Perhaps they didn't buy into them. Maybe they might not have believed them fully. There are those amongst us, you know, maybe perhaps a younger generation who feel that they're a bit invincible uh, in all things, but particularly around COVID. They see it as a, as a disease that's only scary for older people. So all of those factors come into to play. And, and so, yeah, it, you, can, you can manage your own risk personally, but, but it's, it's also about the risks that others are taking and not giving you your personal space, uh, coming into your 1.5 meter sort of distance. And it's also, I suppose, how can you drive change as an individual? Uh, one of the ways I could, I could suggest it is, you know, if you have a choice to go down the street and, and eat at various restaurants, if you can in your city at the time, then choose to go in and spend your money in a place that's doing the right thing. And that will, you'll see that change over, over, period, over a period of time. They'll see that you know, if business goes with those who are doing the right thing and, and people avoid the places that are doing the wrong thing, then hopefully we'll see some change because of that as well. And I think there's a, an element uh, of, of the culture of the organisation that will drive those behaviours. So, you know, if, if the culture of the organisation is one where people have the opportunity to call out behaviours, you know, regardless of right or rank in an organisation where uh, people are supportive of one another, where people lead from the front, then you can really create a, an environment where, where people want to protect each other. Um, it's, you know, cultural change is always complex and difficult, but I do believe that uh, if, you, if you focus on the culture of the organisation, then you can improve the chances of you know, having a situation where the business is COVID safe. And Greg, Grant Thornton has recently implemented a raft of changes to ensure that it is COVID safe for staff to return. What were the steps that you took and how has this been received by your people? Yeah, look, Velvet Bell, it's been a, it's been a journey, I've got to say, over the, uh, over the last few months because it's, it's truly a, a new experience and, and there's no you know, sort of playbook to, to refer to. So what we did to start off was we, you know, we surveyed our people. We were really worried about their mental health but also to understand what it was that worried them and to make sure their voice was heard and their uh, concerns were addressed in, in anything we did moving forward because we wanted to not only create a safe environment for our people to return to but we wanted them to have confidence that it was, it was safe. So we started off with that survey and from that we found out there was a number of areas that they had some fear and trepidation, particularly around things like um, uh, you know, public transport, you know, travelling to work. So for us, that was a bigger issue in the larger cities where people weren't driving to the office, so Melbourne City in particular. Um, and then there was issues around whether or not the organisation was COVID safe uh, and whether their colleagues would you know, be as compliant as them. So we, we ended up breaking it into six areas that we focused on. Um, the first was for us to, to bring in a whole new raft of policies on things that reinforced the essentials like you know, social distancing and when, you know, when people should be coming in and out of the office, you know, when they should be wearing masks, the processes when you come into an office around you know, washing your hands, cleaning your desk, eating meals, etc. Then we needed to look at some infrastructure. Um, so for us, we wanted to, we chose we wanted to temperature check not only our people but also any guests or clients into the office. So 
we invested in um, some of the technology where you can just walk up and it, it detects within sort of 0.2 of a second, but it avoids having to have something pointed at your head and have a member of your team be within 1.5 metres. Then we looked at some new technology. So we had to develop an app that was specific to our business that allowed us to ascertain how many uh, people in each team you know, could be in to ensure social distancing. And so you know, people literally book a, book a desk to, to come in. We developed training courses with the help with Ian, and that was to really provide people with information around COVID as to why, but also around our policies and also around that green, amber, red. And so that it gave people the opportunity to, to really um, you know, improve their knowledge and their understanding of how we were tackling and getting confidence. We had to tailor our approach uh, because we were absolutely cognizant that what was happening in each state was different. So we needed to ensure that we, we connected at each one of those. And in so doing, we had to be in a communications plan. So we looked at each of those six areas and worked our way through that. Frankly, we use Dr. Norton on the call here today to, to help us because we, we weren't really sure what we were doing was right. And we felt that consulting with an expert would give us more confidence that we were right, but would also give our people confidence that what we were doing was right. And that was a critical component. It wasn't just, you know, being COVID safe. It was actually giving people confidence. Um, so, yeah, that's been our, our journey. And, and to date, that, you know, that transparency has, has been well received. Our people appreciate that we are putting them first and their safety first. And, uh, and then we do care about um, our people and our clients. And um, I think that uh, the feedback has been really strong in that regard. That's great news. Now, Grant Thornton is in an office and your people can work from home and alternate more easily. Is the strategy different if you operate an assembly line or you're in construction or you provide a hands-on service like physio or hairdressing? The arts, for instance, has been hugely impacted because they need crowds to create the experience. Can all industries be COVID safe? Yeah, so I look, I can give you a couple of examples, but um, I certainly think Ian's, uh, I mean, he's actually consulted by all sorts of industries uh, and specialists, so I'm sure he'll have something to say as well. But look, from um, I'll just give you the examples from my, my own family. Um, I've got uh, three children, one of which is an interior designer who's working on some overseas projects and working from home to, to do that, and that she's you know, able to do that in that environment. Whereas my son's a, a, a podiatrist, and, and as such, is working within 1.5 metres of people to apply his trade. So clearly uh, making sure he has appropriate PPE and training is, is absolutely critical. And then uh, my third daughter is a speech pathologist working in, in hospital system. So um, she's consulting with a number of, of patients now through telehealth. So she's certainly been able to reduce that risk by using technology, and yet she's also on the boards. Uh, and so in that case, she's once again relying very much on PPE and um, training. So for them, I think there's been a balance of, in, in different industries, I think it's around education, equipment, discipline, cooperation, and probably a, a good dose of good luck as well. But, but Ian, I'm not sure if you have some comments. I know you've been heavily involved in a range of industries. Yeah, yeah certainly there are, there are other industries that, um, you know, really it is, hands-on uh, when it comes to, to manufacturing. The meat industry is a good example of fish and chicken and uh, uh, sorting houses, these kind of places. That you, you do need people physically moving through and working fairly close proximity. Um, certainly for those, they, they, everyone can, can have some sort of COVID-safe plan in place and uh, they can adapt their work to, to continue. I think 
definite cohorting of teams to team A, B, and C or whatever uh, is relevant for your own particular business and, and making sure that if there is unluckily an infection in one, it doesn't put all people out of work at the same time. Uh, you won't lose your entire staff workforce for 14 days for home isolation, uh, which could effectively cripple or, or even end the business. And there are ways that you can you can have them work normally, wearing the right PPE, but then clean and have a changeover of staff for the next shift and the next shift is, is possible. It's also understanding, I think, the science and the emerging science around the virus. So there are things we do know about and we can use what we know about it to our advantage in business. I think sometimes it doesn't just jump off the, the pages of the public health websites, but I think it, once you, you understand that public health background and then apply it to a a business setting, we absolutely can get more COVID safe. Can we be 100% COVID safe in every industry? Uh, perhaps not, but but certainly we should be able to put in place mitigation strategies so if it does affect you, it doesn't end your business. I think also we need to understand that if we choose to, you know, if leaders choose to ignore their responsibilities um, and something does happen, there is some likelihood, you know, you'll actually have the authorities come in and, and they may well asked to see your COVID safe plan, they may well you know, choose to see how that's been enacted and how it's been enforced. So it's, I don't think this is just a nice to have. I think it's a you know, legal requirement that um, we have to also step up to. And Greg, from implementing a strategy yourself, what advice would you give to anybody currently trying to make their business COVID safe? From our experience and, and engaging with the clients, the first thing we, we suggest is that you, you think yourself about what's unique about your business or your industry because you, know, you actually know your industry better than anyone else. And so really understanding what's peculiar to your business is, is absolutely critical. I think there are often people in your industry that you don't directly compete with. And you know what we've seen with COVID is a, a very strong willingness for people to cooperate and collaborate and to share and so by reaching out to them, there's every chance that you'll, you'll find someone who's prepared to have that conversation, share what they're doing and what you're doing to, to assist. I think then um, when you're looking at your COVID safe plan, make sure that you've got the right people who actually have uh, resources and authority to create change and, and influence others and, and have that tone from the top so that you don't just have a great plan, but you actually have a plan that people uh, are bringing into place uh, is important. As mentioned before, I just sort of recap on the importance of listening to your people and understanding you know, what barriers they may see in, in bringing it to life uh, because they're critical in this process. And then there's just those six headings I mentioned before being policies, infrastructure, technology, training, tailoring for the different locations or, or circumstances and then a communications plan. And finally, I have to ask, COVID safe temporary measure or permanent shift in how we work? Well, this would be my, my thoughts. I think, uh, I, I really hope that um, masks, temperature checking and enforced restrictions of office attendance is soon a thing of the past, uh, be that sort of 18 months or so away. I'll be pretty happy to see the back of that. Um, I see elements of social distancing and, and sanitisation and cleanliness being extended. I think it's becoming more entrenched, but Regrettably, I suspect it might drop back a bit um, over time. I see working flexibly as permanent, with over 80% of our people you know, telling us in surveys that they now want to work two to three days a week. I don't see that ever going back. I suspect that uh, flying interstate or overseas for, for a meeting will, will decrease in future and that the willingness to have meetings uh, virtually has significantly you know, increased. I see us using national resources better as a permanent change, um, as we've 
now got more confidence in, in working with people remotely rather than relying on the people who you can physically see or, or have in the room. I think there is going to be a shift in um, how we use offices and also I suspect there's going to be a permanent shift in dress code with people much more relaxed um, and the time of even wearing a suit and tie may be, may be challenged by, by this process. And the last one is I hope, uh, I honestly hope that Zoom drinks on a Friday night are never superseded uh, with having a laugh and a catch up with, with friends face to face. And I look, as I sit here in isolation, I, I, uh, I, I longingly look forward to, to being able to catch up with some of my friends. Yeah, I'd certainly agree with it. There are some temporary measures that we would be glad to, to see the back of. I do think uh, we've got to be cautious of COVID fatigue creeping in too soon because we're not there yet. We, we uh, As soon as we see some of that fatigue coming in that um, uh, you know, drops our guard and the public health measures drop away, uh, then, then it will exploit that, that gap um, until, it's, until it's over with, as I say, you know, 12 months or more from now. Uh, but certainly, I hope that there's some other legacy that, that lives on. I mean, washing hands. We, we know from, from African contexts, you know, in Ebola, for example, there was uh, uh, only one third of the, of the number of deaths uh, in the years of Ebola from other diarrheal disease in kids. So the fact that everybody was washing their hands because of their fear of Ebola saved a whole lot of lives of, of kids who could have died from, from other forms of disease. And, you know, in general, if we all wash our hands more often, it's such a simple and cheap way to, to keep healthier. So I hope that that stays around long afterwards. I, I fully agree with Greg on the, the working from home, uh, you know, more of a, a work-life balance, I hope. Certainly from a, a health side, telehealth, telemarketing and those other things are, are going to be uh, the norm, not flying interstate for a one-hour meeting and those kind of things. I hope some of the nationalism dies away. There's a good part about it, which is buying local and, and supporting people in your community. And then there's the the, the bad part, which is sort of, trying to gain all the, the personal protective equipment just for your state or for your country uh, and not worrying about anybody else. And I hope that that fades away as we get, get beyond this. Ian and Greg, thank you for your time. Thanks, Tony. Thanks. You can find further information on how COVID-19 might affect your business and assistance is available to you on the Grant Thornton COVID-19 Hub at www.grantthornton.com.au forward slash COVID-19. If you liked this podcast and you'd like to hear more, you can find and subscribe to Grant Thornton Australia on iTunes, Spotify or SoundCloud. I'm Velvet Bell Templeman and you're listening to Boardroom Media.